Welcome everybody to the Cleat Podcast, your show for DAO insights and deep dives. The DAO space is hard to track on your own. There's so much happening in this space. But now with this show, we speak to some of the best DAO operators and thought leaders in this space who can give you the insights necessary to become savvy and win in this space. My name is Abhishek Ajit and along with me is my co-host Abhishek Saravne who has just come back from a journey and is now chilling at his home. Hey Abhishek, what's up? Hey man, doing good. A uh, bit tired from the travel, but yeah, really pumped for this one. Really looking oh. forward to it. Yeah, really excited for this one as well. We have with us someone whose works has deeply influenced how I should be a leader or deal with the teams that I have dealt with within the DAO space. When I was uh, working at Scribe DAO, uh, ever since I was a scribe over there. I had the opportunity to kind of review the work he has done, especially his interview with Chase Chapman. And ever since uh, that, I've always felt that you know I should have had the chance to kind of interview him someday. And uh, very surprisingly, it's kind of materialized into this session. Never thought that this would happen. You can call it serendipity coming into play. Uh, we have with us uh, David Ehrlichman, who is the author of Impact Networks. Glad to have you on the show, David. Thank you. How are you doing well. Thanks for having me. David, the most important question of the episode I have want to ask is, as co-founder of Hatch Protocol, shouldn't we be making hats great again? <laughs> <laughs> Different kind of hat, maybe, but uh, we do have hats, hats. You better believe that we have physical hats to say hats on them, and they've been they've been a hit. So maybe we'll just be a manufacturing company. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> so what is your favorite type of hat and why is it a fedora <laughs> <laughs> plead the fifth on that question oh awesome awesome so let's just get straight to it then david for listeners we'll get to know about the story of hats protocol also but let's talk about you what is your story and what inspired you to observe and detail so much about impact network yeah same kind of uh long journey the past 15 years that was a really long time ago i started out working at a nonprofit and was seeing this nonprofit do really great work and make a difference but work in this really massive broken system where it felt like they were addressing the symptoms of this much much larger and much more complex issue in that case it was dealing with like lack of affordable housing and homelessness and so forth and in seattle which is where i'm based and I saw too how this and many other organizations tend to operate on their own in silos, and there's really little intentional coordination across organizations and across sectors on these bigger issues that they face and that they all touch and that they all purport to care about. But collaboration happens here and there, coordination happens here and there a little bit spontaneously, but, but there are so few really deliberate efforts that have organized to to intentionally and really strategically bring together different actors, different communities, different organizations around these common issues. And so that was the big guiding question for me is how can we work more effectively, not just within individual organizations, but really across systems, across sectors, between organizations and so forth. And so that that led me to learn more about the type of multi-stakeholder collaboratives that presently existed at that time. There's one called Reamp Network, which was an inspiration for me. They bring together for 140 different organizations across nine states in the United States to reduce carbon emissions. And they had 
huge success, like shutting down existing coal plants, stopping new coal plants from being built, passing energy efficiency policies and so forth. And so I, I saw it was possible to create these massive collaborations. In, in that case, that network reamp was actually staffed, had full-time people whose specific job was to weave these connections and facilitate conversations between these different organizations. And and that was fascinating to me that it was possible to work at the systems level. And a long story short, that led me to Fresno, California, where I was the founding coordinator for a network that brought together many organizations to revitalize the city and then helped develop another network that was about large landscape conservation. So how do you care for half a million acres of land in the Santa Cruz Mountains region? Got to bring together the the government agencies and the nonprofits and the private institutions and the timber companies and the tribal groups all together to, to figure out where their differences are, where they agree, and, and how they can coordinate better. And uh, founded Converge in 2013, which is a network of practitioners that help build these types of impact networks. And over the last 10 years since then, I had the opportunity to work with over 50 different impact networks and see common patterns arise because each one is so different in terms of the context and the people and the place, but also there's a lot that's similar in terms of how they began and the type of leadership that was required and and really wanted to be able to capture what we'd learned to converge and everything that I've read and all the network leaders that I'd, I'd formed relationships with over that 10-year span. And that's really what's contained in Impact Networks, the book. It's how we can work in how we can coordinate better to address complex issues where there's not a clear beginning or end, where we can't plan it all out in advance. And as I was finishing up the book, one of my co-founders at Converge, his name is Zaku, he started Coordinate and was obviously getting really involved in the DAO space and kind of DAO pilling me. And it was just a clear fit because it was, there was so much alignment between the work that we were already doing, you know, building these networks and the way that DAOs were trying to organize themselves with you know, more decentralized leadership and distributed decision-making. And that was super intriguing to me. I just, I've, so I've gotten fully involved in the DAO space over the last year. You mentioned some of the groups that I've, I've worked with and seeing, I feel like this space is pushing the edges of coordination at scale more than any other that I see. And I want us to be able to bring in the human layer and how can we work effectively as humans when we're coming together with equal or shared decision-making power, but then also layer in the technological layer that, that allows to coordinate at larger scales than ever before. And, and so that that led me to, to HATS Protocol, along with my co-founders, Minty Nick and Spencer Graham, and trying to create an organizing structure, a down-native way of organizing and more effectively distributing roles and authorities and allowing us to coordinate. And so we can get in more to that, but that's really the path of my journey here. I find that exciting to see that how you're seen this progression with working with these impact networks and right into getting down into DAOs because of Zaku from Coordinate. When it comes to DAOs, when you see the sort of ownership and the way communities are distributed, it's really exciting to see the sort of work Coordinate itself has done to make the aspect of compensation itself really collaborative. When It's nice to see that sort of transition from your work with impact networks because of the sort of people that you've entered with. 
and uh, what was fascinating to me is why i found this whole impact networks really exciting was when you get into the dark space itself you have a lot of people that come in there are people who come in from the corporate background there are people who come in from these sort of not what to say ngos and things like that and they come in with this collective wisdom of how different organizations are run but until your book came in the picture they were either these probably tragedy or i'm not sure if it was eleanor ostrom's professor you had these sort of models that come in to dictate how these sort of does to shape themselves but it was through your book impact networks where you could really see a lot of the examples of the collectives out there and the speed at which they were able to make changes happen i read your book and one of the main collectives that i found really fascinating was the occupy sandy uh, collective that was formed after occupy wall street found a way to channel their energy into taking care of those who had been deprived after hurricane sandy and the way they did that the way detail that with so many uh, collectives out there it gave inspiration for a lot of the dark collectives that were searching for a way in which they could scale their communities without losing out on that internal trust and that was really fascinating for someone like you who dealt with these impact networks before i am very interested to see how exactly were dars hitting this idealism what were dars doing correctly that made you really fascinated you worked with impact networks you've seen the way in which they organize but what makes dars stand apart as a organizational design or like a collective compared to the networks that you worked with in the past yeah i think it's the ability to truly share decision making power around a set of resources and not have those resources be captured by individual actors or small groups even in in large collectives just the way our legal structures work it's usually a small group of people who still retain power and and it's it, there's not really as as clear and easy of a rage quit function as we have in DAOs where you can retain custody over the resources that you've contributed to the effort and i think the the DAOs are just also in the way that they are have this ethos of open source and coordination with each other is a really important part of this that it's allowing the people and the groups in this space to experiment really and to fail and to learn from that and to share those learnings with others and designing these different mechanisms that uh, some work and some don't but we're trying so many different things and i think if DAOs are eventually going to outcompete traditional organizations it's going to be because of the rate of learning and also the coordination across this space so that i see that as pretty unique here and uh, and really special you mentioned that the dows have a lot of experimentation and the way in which they are able to kind of pull in and coordinate the resources that they gather from what they do in a kind of an equitable way as the ways in which you find the whole dows things fascinating but what i find what i really would love to get deep down and understand is the way in which dows can organize i have seen a lot of the interviews which you've done i've also read a lot of the literature and a lot of emphasis has been put into facilitating that sort of network leadership the way in which you ensure that sort of trust to be able to create these sort of self sustaining cohesive networks that can be very effective in thing that sort of impacts necessary but what i want to and the whole theme of this conversation is does create a system or a design of organization then it doesn't have to be something that a person has to consciously think of to be this network leader can we design dows in a manner where 
it becomes an automatic reaction an automatic trigger is it possible to reshape daws in that sort of organization design where net, being a network leader becomes very simple having that sort of trust within relationships across each working group or work stream does that become a much more easier thing so my question here is you've worked with a lot of impact networks in the past you've had the opportunity to see how their uh, organizations move through you've studied occupy sandy i remember even uh, you actually did this study with a school where you had all the teachers being part of this community of hmong americans sorry if i got the pronunciation wrong and the way in which those relationships move you've been able to capture that yeah i think we can look at the evolution of organizational structure here we've had these hierarchical structures for so long in institutions and organizations and they have been really good at addressing complicated problems where there's a clear beginning and end where we can plan out the work in advance of building a bridge we have these prior examples we create a blueprint and we can distribute the roles and really effectively and efficiently get things done we have rejected hierarchies in the DAO space for a number of reasons the concentration of power and decision making the relative rigidity the unequal distribution of wealth and the upside that the collective can create and so what i've seen is in reaction to that these much more loose flat really decentralized organizing structures that really take the form more as networks and networks are really good at engaging large numbers of people at addressing these complex areas where we don't we can't hold the sense making of it all at once no single person really can so collective sense making tapping into the collective intelligence of a group what networks and i think as a result a lot of dows have struggled with and i've seen this in impact networks that i've worked with is then they don't have that kind of hierarchical structure and so they often struggle with getting things done consistently with the same level of efficiency of traditional organizations and specifically the day-to-day work and some of the boring work and, and so what i think we need is to bring back some degree of structure a minimum viable structure just enough structure to enable us to to work together and get things done but not too much that it stifles the creativity and the emergence and the energy of the collective and so rather than bringing in these rigid hierarchical structures again i think we need hierarchies where there are multiple fluid natural hierarchies that emerge not a single hierarchy where there's always a single individual or group at the top but more natural hierarchies where they're based on expertise and they're based on experience and the roles and authorities within a specific domain is delegated by the collective and can also be revoked by the collective that authority and those responsibilities if that person or that team isn't getting things done or isn't doing things in alignment with the collective's values and so the question here i think is what is a downative way of structuring our organizations how can we provide the degree of structure that's needed reinforcing the decentralization of power and the distribution of decision making and also reinforcing the autonomy of individual members and that's what we're trying to do with hats is we see the base unit of work in an organization as a role or a particular project and 
so the question, so we started to ask ourselves, what would you know, DAO native roles look like? First, they would have to be revocable. So the ultimate authority or power would have to rest not with an individual at the top of the hierarchy, but with the collective itself. Second, they would have to enable constrained delegation of authority. So I think we see in a lot of DAOs right now, there's a really broad delegation where people are asked to delegate their decision-making authority via their governance tokens to an individual and in for every domain and sort of for an undefined period of time as well. That doesn't make sense because different people will have expertise over different domains and they'll be better suited to make different decisions based on their experience and insights. And so how can we to use a term that I learned from Tracheopteryx from Coordinate, how can we provide constrained delegation where we're delegating roles and authorities and responsibilities within a specific domain to an individual or a team and also holding them accountable to doing what they say they're going to do? I think that's also missed a lot in these flatter and decentralized structures. How are people actually held accountable? And also how those individuals know that the collective is accountable to them too. If they do what they say they're going to do, they know they're going to be paid or compensated appropriately and gaining reputation and so forth. And then the third thing that donated roles would need is fundamental composability. So it would need to be able to integrate with token gating platforms and the other dApps and applications that we're using. And so I can, again, get more into hats, but that's really what we're trying to create is a downed way of structuring our organizations using hats, which are which are non-transferable NFTs, which call it, we would call a hat based on the 1155 standard. And a hat can represent a role and or a project or a set of responsibilities. And it can be delegated to an individual or a team, and it can be revoked by the DAO or it can be attached to specific accountability mechanisms and also attached to the competition or the rewards that the individual would get as a result of doing their work and plug into any kind of token gating platform as well. So that by having this hat in their wallet, they automatically get access to all the permissions and the different applications and the data and the information that they need to do their work. And again, not having to trust, rely on trust and giving people passwords and so forth to to use the DAOs, the various systems the DAO is using, but really giving them the access and the authority and to do their work while still, again, the ultimate power and control rests with the collective itself, not with a single individual. I find that fascinating, the way we've been, your solution here also in a way. One of the key issues you mentioned was that DAOs don't, because they lack a proper hierarchical structure, there's too much of emerge that's happening that kind of leads to a lack of cohesion within the collective itself. What happens is that a lot of DAOs are just getting warmed up to the idea of having this sort of hierarchy. My question here is, David, nobody said DAOs are non-hierarchical. I don't see that in the DAO definition anywhere, neither is it given in the, in the DAO. But then why are these communities so against the concept of having a structure in the first place? And why, what can be enhanced within these structures to give the communities that sort of ease to flow. The way I see it, the communities, so far DAOs, they struggle against hierarchy because there is a lack of accountability that comes in. But why do you need to blame the structure for that? Why not have in mechanisms 
that can make it easier to remove people or to make it fluid. What we have done with hats is enable that sort of composability with which people, the collective can have a say in how a lead or a certain contributor can move within the system. But then the larger question remains, how do you get communities to be comfortable with the impact-driven nature of a proper hierarchy? And how should they start thinking of it? What are the best first principles to think of when you think of a, a minimum viable structure? Yeah, I think the problem with so many hierarchies that we see today is that it's a single rigid power hierarchy where the there's somebody or small group with authority over every domain, and that doesn't change very easily. And so it, it makes a lot of sense that we would direct that form of hierarchy where there's this entrenched power structure and, and really centralized decision-making, centralized power, creates a bottleneck and so forth. But I think we have to remember that hierarchies are really good at what they do best, which is addressing these complicated problems, which have many moving parts, and we can distribute roles and plan it out and get things done. So how can we leverage that positive side of hierarchical structures, which is really just a structure to, to help information flow and to organize work? How can we leverage those positive aspects of hierarchy without creating this entrenched power hierarchy that doesn't change. And so again, I think we need to look at hierarchies in more constrained ways. Like how can we, when we've engaged large number of people or we've found our way through this complex issue, we've identified then some specific discrete tasks or projects that we can execute on. That's the point where you can create a hierarchy within the domain of that project. At a point where that project is complete, then that particular constrained hierarchy can go away. And, and another one can arise when there's another discrete task or project that needs to get done and executed. And so rather than having a single power hierarchy that dominates the system, it's really multiple fluid hierarchies that, that rise and emerge based on their needs and then fall away when they're no longer needed. And that's what is called a heterarchical system, kind of these multiple fluid hierarchies that intersect in different ways and where the people at the top of those particular hierarchies are not the single individual who holds all the power at the top, but it's really the people who are delegated by the DAO and, can, and trusted by the collective to make decisions and get things done within that specific domain. I think we have to be able to trust individuals and to give them the autonomy and authority they need to make decisions without always having to go back to the collective and rely on this consensus decision-making, which is slow and I think often waters things down and reduces risk tolerance and also just makes people feel like they, they can't move forward with the same speed that they sometimes need to or the level of individual creativity even. So we need to be able to again, pe give people the authority and the autonomy to do their work and to do great work, but still in a way where the ultimate authority rests not with an individual at the top of a hierarchy, but with the collective itself. So that's how I think of you know, hierarchies. It makes sense that I think we've rejected them in terms of that single rigid hierarchy. But if we just think of hierarchy as an organizing structure that can be flexible, that can be constrained, that can be delegated to different individuals, 
then I think we can utilize the best aspects of what that form of organizing allows, which is implementing and executing on discrete pieces of work. The aspect of heterarchies that you mentioned where these sort of fluid sub-communities just come in to advance the broader aspects of the collective without a central figure being a directive. I think the closest that's come to this is probably NounsDAO, where they have projects that come under the broader umbrella itself and it serves the ends of the NounsDAO community. You have public NounsDAO, a whole new community, NASDAO, what is it, NAS, NounsDAO. A lot of these sub-communities that focus on certain sections of a certain audience, but in general, they advance the interests of nouns community itself. So the sort of hierarchies that you talk, heterarchies that you talk about are, are seen as successful from a horizontal standpoint. Means that you have these projects come in and serve the purpose. But what happens when you have these sort of DAOs that have this sort of autonomous mindset and you have the core functionalities from a perspective Perspective of core functionalities, when you enable heterarchies to develop underneath that, there is a possibility that core core functionalities, it's much more difficult to lose out on rather than horizontal projects. So how do you build in that sort of culture and that sort of processes that doesn't be a kill shot for the community itself? I'll just give you an example, David. We I was just sitting in on a convo with Daniel Ospina in, in a governance forum and he was saying, an example the other day where Aragon tried to have this sort of heterarchical mindset. And what happened was Aragon had an entire sub-DAO that was dedicated to taking care of its tech support, the customer support angle. And what happened was the tech support didn't want to just stop contributing to Aragon and they wanted to do it for other DAOs as well. They wanted to succeed. But this is not a, a like a horizontal project. This is something that's very critical to the organization itself. So how do you kind of deal with that sort of conflict within your collective when you allow for that sort of fluidity? Where do you draw the line between that sort of emergence to play within core teams? How do you allow, where do you draw the line for that constraint and where do you deal for autonomy? I would love some thoughts on that. I think this is where we need to bring clearer accountabilities and, and agreements into play. When an individual or our group or even another DAO is committing to a piece of work, like the one you referenced, what happens if they don't follow through on that? There should be some kind of compensation for the DAO or some kind of either carrots or sticks that are used to to help maintain that accountability and to provide some type of compensation or recourse if that work doesn't get done. Maybe that is staking tokens and those tokens are slashed. Maybe it's there's some kind of clear commitment or agreement between the piece of work and the collective that they're committing. They're really clearly stating an explicit commitment to doing that particular piece of work. And and if it doesn't get done, then some type of action will be taken. I think it's these accountabilities are going to be the basis for reputation systems as well. If we think right now with bounty systems and so forth, there's a lot of challenges where Somebody can say they're picking up a bounty, but then never actually follow through on that work. And the only thing that happens if they don't do that work is they don't get compensated, but all that time has been lost and the opportunity cost has been lost. And But if we have really explicit, clear kind of agreements between uh, the individual or the team or the DAO who's doing the work and then the collective who's, who's requiring that work, then we can log that on chain using, you know, 
contribution systems, things like govern, whatnot, or other kind of badging systems to, to indicate that that person actually did follow through on that work. And that builds then reputation for them for that in the, in the broader system. So I think reputation can also be a form of accountability. We can talk about creating redundancies and should you have a backup or, or you know, multiple groups engaging on a project at once. I think that might be possible, but I think that also is just really resource intensive. And, and it also isn't really giving the authority or autonomy to the people doing the work. If there's also another group doing the same kind of work, I think that could be you know, problematic and it's not very efficient. Ins have redundancies for a reason because they absolutely need a fail safe. So I could imagine if there is a specific piece of work that actually would be a kill shot, for an organization, or in the case of an airplane, if a mechanism malfunctions, then the plane crashes. Those types of redundancies can certainly make sense. But I think in lower priority, so to speak, work, it, it's really about embedding, first of all, having clear commitment and agreement around that piece of work, and then embedding specific accountability mechanisms, and also contributing to reputation systems that hold that individual accountable to do to doing the work that they say they're going to do. You mentioned that there should be this fine line of having that sort of reputation systems come in within the organization itself. I've had a very, so that, and you need to have that sort of accountability and uh, agreements put in place where these sort of, what to say, subgroups and subdaws, they should be held accountable if they want to leave or they should be able to give that sort of transition time if the collective needs it. My question here is, you have the aspect of agreements coming into play and you also have the possibility of reputations also that stand across the DAO ecosystem. Do you think that reputation systems, the way it's built, could be a much more effective way of ensuring that certain subgroups or the broader network is more aligned to the interests of the collective than agreements in general? Is it possible to build that sort of reputation system in line with a fluid design to ensure that you have incentives that are aligned with reputation and it's much more easier to allow for the reputation to play itself rather than messy disputes over agreements that can be very fluid? What are your thoughts on that? I think... It will be possible. I think we're probably a ways away. A lot of people are thinking about reputation systems right now, and I don't think there's a clear answer, but I do think, you know, more clearly tracking the contributions that people are making to these different DAOs and that attestations that they followed through on their commitments is going to be a big deal. It can create the type of social capital that's really important to being trusted by a community to do a specific piece of work. And I think that data can span the ecosystem and different groups will choose to weigh certain factors above others and can design their own you know, particular way of measuring someone's reputation or contributions. But I do think having a clear record of the work that people have done and the attestations or in that way, referrals that people have of others who have who would really vouch for the person is would be an extremely valuable thing and would uh, would help with the uh, situation where, you know, in DAOs, we there are lots of different people who want to contribute, and it's we it's hard to trust initially that someone will actually follow through on that work. And so, what that leads to is, I think, this bounty system where it's really small, very you know, small, discrete projects that are really one-offs, and those are good for getting started. But ultimately, we can't organize all of our organizational work in those really tiny, bite-sized pieces. We need to be able to trust 
individuals to deal with, with like larger issues that require more sense-making and learning and failure and experimentation rather than these one-off things. And how do we build the social capital or the trust that we need to, to delegate those larger roles to people? I think reputation systems could play a role. Uh, you mentioned a very key point that you need to be able to facilitate that sort of trust and enable for that sort of emergent contributions to come in, which could be tracked by a broader reputation system that can come in. But reputation can only do so far. You mentioned the aspect of trust and initiative. Sometimes what happens is that more than the reputation itself, it's how do you create that sort of spaces where people can feel comfortable enough to walk in and take up that sort of initiative. What Brownsdow has done very effectively is they have spaces where they enable the community to come up and put out an initiative. And if it works out in the interest of the collective, it becomes a fully funded sub-autonomous group. However, Nounsdow is a large community uh, that has a tremendous amount of resources and a strong culture. What about the DAOs that are just trying to find its footing, the early stage ones, the people that are just starting to get mature? How should DAOs design their organizations in a way where trust is flowing across the system and you have these spaces where people can just come in and ask for that sort of initiative. Is that an organizational design problem or is that a, a community problem, like a community aspect problem? That's one of the key things that I was just kind of curious with. How do you design that sort of organizations where trust and leadership is very easily accessible? Yeah, I think I, I think of it as concentric circles. Like I think the ideal future for DAOs is that they blend the best of these more hierarchical or these heterarchical structures and also network structures. And I could see a more structured hierarchy in the one of the inner concentric circles. And then that's surrounded by a much larger network of different contributors who are engaging in smaller one-off ways, but that also provides an entry point into deeper engagement with the DAO itself and ultimately potentially gaining some authority or access as part of the interior hierarchical structure, if that makes sense. So I think I'd love to see, and we're starting to see this more, DAOs, that are engaging large numbers of people and and are really open and porous. You know, that's the network, and that's where network design and thinking leadership comes in. How to engage really large numbers of people, and then out of that, though, people will people who keep showing up, who keep engaging, who keep showing that they're trustworthy, will can get delegated larger and larger pieces of work, and then enter a different tier of engagement, a different kind of level of membership in the DAO, which be which might be more structured and have that kind of hierarchical form. So that's one way I'm thinking about it. And how can we blend the best of these structures and give people, as you said, multiple entry points? where in that network piece of it, it is really emergent and many different people are coming in and so forth. We have lots of different ways of engaging people and onboarding people, lots of different opportunities for people to say yes to. But then in the the more interior concentric circle, it's more a little bit more structured. There's clearer roles, you know, clear responsibilities that aren't just one-off projects and so forth. And giving people pathways to, to move from that extended network into that interior DAO structure, I think will be important. Allowing for what you're proposing is that having clear roles set across a very concentric circles nature where these people, these newcomers will be able to blend across these hierarchies in a very easy way 
they can also come in and shape their own subgroups if necessary my question is um, how do they progress up the nature how do they progress up the hierarchy keeping in mind that sort of culture and all of that spencer graham mentioned this anti capture aspect also where you have bad actors who make a kind of take away what the dao is doing away from that core goal into something else there are many ways in which you could do that my question is as the broad like you see nouns dao itself the community is becoming large there are so many sub communities coming in where do you draw the line between this becoming a natural state of growth versus this becoming a hideous form of cancer where it just becomes gross beyond unexplainable necessities where do you draw that line yeah that's that's a tough challenge and you're always sensing into that i think at the point where it becomes totally unwieldy you need to break it out into sub daos or substructures that are focused on more discrete more tightly bounded issues and i've seen this in networks too that trying to impact networks that are engaging these huge complex issues that have so many different possible angles to them we can start there and do some collective sense making and figure our way through but then at the point where we start to identify more discrete sub areas of work then we can break them out and create then multiple smaller more bounded networks that are focused on more more explicit or tightly bounded issues and then within those create the right level of structure that's needed and they're sharing those different sub networks or sub daos are they're sharing information with one another and so forth but they're maintaining separate decision making processes maybe different governance processes maybe there's different leadership in those different sub units so i think breaking them out and there's we could think of Dunbar's number 150 people it could be larger Gore-Tex also organized its factories in 150 people so there's some alignment there but yeah there's at some point above which the complexity is totally unwieldy and that 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 would be a sign then i think to break it out into to smaller more tightly bounded units that brings me to this question you know that you mentioned that it is necessary to bring them into these smaller tightly subunits if you have these sort of communities just become a whole mushroom where the broader nature itself becomes unwieldy one of the problems with a massive community is that why decentralized communities never really thrive is because internally there are these there's a lack of corrective mechanisms for example what happened with blue the whole if you notice the whole halabalu around blue dog it had to take let's assume i have no idea what the outcome of that whole fight was but if you notice the whole issue around blue dog it took a woman who was outside the blue dog collective to stand outside and talk and at least point out that there is a possibility of issues within the collective itself it didn't come from that corrective mechanism didn't come from within the community it came from twitter so my question here is how do you build in those spaces for communities to be able to voice that sort of that sort of issues to point them out and allow for the community to self correct rather than see this sort of bureaucracy that stagnates progress and justice at any sort of hierarchy like you see with governments like you see with companies like you see even does at some point what do you think should be done for that maybe this is a place where we can really point to the potential power of dows being more focused on particular pieces of work not every dow has to be engaged on a big complex issue that's totally distinct instead i can imagine some dows will just be like the hr function that many other different dows can plug into some dows will be dealing with 
you know, accountability measures or conflict resolution, for example, that other DAOs can turn to. So I'd like to see, whereas in an organization, you have bounded within the larger organization, each organization has its own R&D team and marketing team and branding and HR and so forth. I think maybe in this space, those could be broken out and shared across different DAOs that are focused on different things, but can turn to this, this kind of external group that, that really specializes in a specific piece of work. And maybe there's something to the effect of you know, DAOs that are tracking accountability across the ecosystem and so forth. So I uh, don't really have a super clear answer to that, but I also think there, there needs to be, oh, every DAO should have clear conflict resolution processes, also clear mechanisms for people to raise concerns in an anonymous way, and for those concerns to be really addressed transparently and in a timely manner. We need to, again, give the power back to the collective and not held with any individual or small group. And that means that anybody can, can everybody has a voice and is able to raise specific concerns. And the people who are addressing those concerns themselves are protected because these can blow up really quickly and it can get dangerous. There, I've seen a couple situations, I don't want to name specific names, but where there have been people within DAOs who have violated the community agreements. And in, in some of these examples, the DAO already had a really clear process for dealing with things like that. And it was hard, but it went relatively smoothly and the DAO continued. And really those structures were reinforced, the power of those structures were reinforced. And then in other DAOs, those systems weren't already set up. And ultimately it just came back to a single individual at the top making the call and firing somebody or letting them go. That's we really be the true nature of a structure when the, these types of chaotic events emerge. W where does the power really lie? And does the DAO really have the proper mechanisms for dealing with conflict? I think many don't. And it's the kind of thing that you can't really design on the fly once that chaotic situation emerges. We have to pre-plan those types of things in advance. So that's a couple of thoughts that come to mind. No, absolutely. I feel like you can't design for everything. If situations are pretty complex and requires that involvement. You mentioned that DAOs who are specialized in conflict resolution or legal aspects could be a good reliance point also. You reminded me of Gravity DAO. It's a DAO that is very special that is specialized in dealing with conflict resolutions. When there's some sort of issue that's cropping up, probably Gravity DAO could send in that sort of people or whatever is going on at that point. And that sort of legal, as you mentioned rightly, you know, having that sort of structure in place where people could be comfortable to speak about any sort of grievances without the use of forums or maybe there should be some sort of broader Twitter account which has the reach of the broader community where they can post that anonymous confessions and um, probably someone who's like a neutral bystander can come in and verify what's going on. Somewhat like an internal audit system itself which is not kind of part of the broader core team itself. I think that could be a good way to resolve some issues. But again, this is just off the top of my head. And I Coming saw back, this in the work that I was doing with Impact Networks. Like it was a super valuable service that we were able to come in as third party consultants who weren't already in the system, weren't 
known in the place, but we were chosen and trusted by the collective to address particular issues that were coming up. Having credibly neutral third-party facilitators to help manage these or moderate these situations, I think could be a really valuable. Story. That's true. And uh, we are here to see that sort of thing play itself out. But having that sort of neutral parties come in and resolve all these things, you, I think you need to be able to factor that within how the organization plays itself out. I want to like step back and talk about what uh, now you have seen all these sort of issues. You, you're making a, a difference with how DAOs want to reshape its organizations with the way Hatch Protocol is designed. For our listeners, would you, be, would you like to talk about what's in store for the Hatch Protocol community and how you seek to reshape the way DAOs can design the communities? So with hats, we the design space for organizing structures is so huge that we've really realized and decided that we really need to focus explicitly on roles and doing that really well. What do you know token and revocable roles look like in an organization and roles that again where the ultimate power resides with the collective, where that enable constrained delegation of authority that empower individuals with the context and responsibilities and permissions and accountability they need to do great work. And also that's composable with all kinds of token gating platforms and other permissions. We're really excited about that because it it really comes from the experiences that we've had in networks and in DAOs. This is something that we been designing for ourselves and then realizing that it has the relevance in in other DAOs that we've been talking with and hopefully it can be a useful thing for the ecosystem and we so hats protocol is already available it's open source it's launched on gnosis and launching on polygon and mainnet soon we will have lots more documentation coming up soon our website hatsprotocol.xyz is going to be launched here very shortly if it hasn't already. And you can follow us at Hats Protocol on Twitter and follow along. And if you're keen to try it or to get involved, you can reach us through our website and get into our Discord and, and start finding ways to contribute. So looking forward to the development there. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think we are really stoked to see what the Hats Protocol community is all about. But this is all about you, not David. Where can people find you? It's been a phenomenal conversation, by the way. I enjoyed the convo we've had. I think we've touched upon a lot of questions and points that I think the organizations don't really think about when it comes to that sort of design. And you've come in with a lot of insights that can make people think when they do organize their collectives that way. Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Dave Ehrlichman, D-A-V-E-H-R-L-I-C-H-M-A-N. You can find the book Impact Networks at impactnetworks.xyz and follow Hats Protocol at Hats Protocol. It has been a great conversation. I appreciate it. These are really challenging issues. I think we're really on the frontier of the next paradigm of human organization. These are all things that, you know, many groups are experimenting with, running into challenges with, we are as well. And so I really hope that we can continue to learn from each other, share information with each other, keep this ethos of collaboration and open source learning across the space. It's what's going to allow us to to collectively define and redesign how we can effectively coordinate as a species. And I'm really excited about that. I've really felt that energy in, in 
the different conferences and calls and the communities that I've become a part of since entering this space. And so really just would welcome anybody to reach out and uh, and we'll do the same. Amazing. I think that's an invitation from our side also as a show for voices out there that want to talk about these sort of complex issues. There's a space for you right here with the Click Podcast. For listeners, stay tuned for the next episode. Wonderful convo, David. Thank you so much and have a great day. See you, everybody.